Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? Happy Monday. This is Rafael Barlow, and you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. And in this episode, I will give you the inside scoop from the NBA Combine in Chicago and also a sneak preview of who's moving up and who's moving down on my big board. Stay tuned. Right, shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And in this case, since it is Monday morning and the first Monday morning after the Combine, thank you for making this your first listen of the week. And today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, and I'm excited. I just finished my first NBA Combine. On one hand, I feel like a kid in a candy store, right? Because I used to watch it on TV. I used to be the guy that couldn't wait until the results and the measurements from the Combine came out. So on one hand, I feel like a kid in a candy store, but then on the other hand, I understand that I have put in hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of hours of work to be here. So the other part of me is like, you belong. So I, I didn't like find a credential on the side, on the sidewalk and just kind of luck myself up of, of um, getting into the combine. But again, there's still like a fan element in me simply because it's, it's difficult to get into the combine. I mean, agents, couldn't even get to the combine, which was something that was news to me. I ended up being the guy that a lot of different agents were reaching out to and wondering how their guy shot at the combine, how they looked because they didn't have access. So on one hand, that was pretty cool. And then on the other hand, it was um, very interesting to see like how many guys just did not play at the combine. 40 of my top 60 prospects on my last NBA big board did not participate in any of the scrimmages at the combine and that was because most chose to do pro day some didn't even show up at all and I mean it was very very frustrating to NBA scouts I mean I had one scout tell me that if it were him there's no way an agent would keep him from playing another agent had mentioned that Another scout mentioned that he feels like the agents have ruined the combine by keeping their guys out. He said it used to be like the top five guys. Now it's like 30 or 40 guys feel like they have some type of guarantee in the first round and just chose not to participate, even though at the end of the day they weren't necessarily upset with the players. It was more so upset with the agents. I even had a scout from an NBA team tell me that he – interview with a player and his comment to the player is I mean you can't hide forever like you whatever you're hiding from or whatever you're hiding it's eventually going to get exposed whether it's in summer league whether it's in training camp so you might as well come out and play which is pretty strong words coming from a a scout for NBA team but I, I guess that was just part of the frustration because guys just did not play in the scrimmages but one guy that did play in the scrimmage that I think really really made a name for himself was Jalen Williams from Santa Clara I mean he was in my opinion he was phenomenal and simply because 
he played two games. Like, you got to give him credit for that. And in the two games that he played, he was at ease. Like, he just kind of had a simple approach to the game. Like, he wasn't trying to show too much, which is, you know, very possible in a lot of these uh, combine-type settings. I mean, this is my first NBA combine, but I've been to G League combines. I've been to, like, G League tryouts. Anytime there are guys, I mean, even even back to, like, middle school trials, anytime there's, you know, jobs on the line or positions available guys have a tendency to either try to do too much or play too unselfish Jalen Williams just came out there and I mean he was cool and calm I mean he measured well at during the combine 7-2 wingspan 39 inch vert and and like when he played I mean he he made 12 out of 16 shots in the two games that he played three or four from deep made some passes and I mean I had a scout tell me that he thinks that he could possibly move up to the lottery simply because ball handling wings at that size, he's like six six, are hard to to come by. Guys that can create their own shot. And if you look at the playoff, you see like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown still available. Teams that have guys that can create their own shot and make plays for others. So that's it's very valuable. So Jalen Williams really made a, a good impression in front of the NBA scouts this week. Uh, but other than that, it was basically just a lot of pro days, a lot of pro days, which, you know, on one hand, pro days are very scripted and they're definitely to benefit the player. You're not really going to see a lot of guys um, address any areas of concern or weaknesses. You see a lot of athleticism shown in pro days. But I watched so many and it's, it was so many that overlaps, like on Saturday um, Excel Sports Management had a three-hour pro day, and it was it was long, but I mean I, I thought theirs was good. They brought the energy, the excitement. So I just talk about some of the players that I saw at pro days, and then I'll get into um, the sneak peek of my my big board. Dyson Daniels was pretty impressive. He actually worked out by himself for maybe like 15 minutes, and if there was a knock or concern about Dyson Daniels, it was his outside shooting. And again, I know this was like an empty gym. I know there wasn't any defense there. But there's still an element of pressure when everyone is watching you, watching your every move, how you move, how you shoot, your form, if you're in shape, and you're there by yourself. You can't, you literally can't hide. So there is an element of pressure there that, um, you know, it, it's it's a defense in itself. And Daniel shot the ball extremely well. I mean, I think that he really helped himself with the shooting. And then, I mean, you saw the the size. I mean, he's not the most, like, crazy explosive athlete, but he showed that he is a really, really good athlete. So I think that he helped himself there and probably has solidified himself in, in the lottery, which he was one of the few guys, if, if maybe off the top of my head, Maybe three guys max that are in that lottery range actually did pro days. Another one was Keegan Murray. I went to his uh, his pro day, and I'll be honest, it was very very difficult to tell Keegan and Chris Murray apart. Uh, I mean, when they went to the shooting drills, you could tell because one's left-handed, one is right-handed. But when it was like ball handling drills and finishing, like if they finished with both hands, especially from afar it was kind of hard to tell them apart they did wear different shoes so that helped a little bit but um somebody had made a joke on twitter that uh keegan should show up for chris's pro day 
and, and help his draft stock. And I, I mean, I think NBA teams are smarter smarter than that. But Keegan was also a guy that that went through the pro day. Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., who's not a first round pick, and I, I think PBJ had a rough week. I mean, his measurements, as far as like athletic testing, weren't very good at all. Uh, the vertical leap was one of the lowest. But he's a huge human being. Like he is a he he's he's a big dude. And I watched his shooting drills on um, Wednesday. And on one hand, you kind of see why people believe that he is a you know he, that he is going to be a good shooter. But he was far from a knockdown shooter. I mean, if I had to rank him among amongst the shooters that I saw in shooting drills. I'd say he was average. I mean, he was not like this lights out sniper. And I think for him, in order for him to actually maximize or become, you know, the player that people want him to be, then he's going to have to be a 40% shooter from three. And I just didn't see it. I don't know what the what the issue is, but he didn't look really athletic. But, I mean, again, he measured very well as far as like his size and length, but athletically he he wasn't he wasn't that good. Ochak Baji had a chance to watch his pro day. He shot the ball well. He shot with Jordan Hall, and it's interesting because on paper, if you look at the stats, Baji is a much better shooter. I mean, Jordan Hall shot a respectable thirty six percent from three, but they were going shot for shot. And if you had no idea who either player w- was. I mean, you would have had a hard time determining which one is supposed to be the shooter and which one is a, you know, a good shooter that that can improve. So that was very interesting to see. But he showcased the athleticism. I just, I mean, he has such a large sample size, so you know what you're getting from him. So he's one of the guys that I feel like a pro day probably would not have done much for him, but props to him for actually coming out and uh, participating in the pro day because, again, it was so many guys that didn't. Tari Eason is someone that I had a chance to sit courtside for, for his pro day. And the shot was streaky. It was very streaky. Um, he had some shots or, or some drills where he made nine in a row. And then there's some drills that he struggled. But the low release is probably a little bit concerning. It's kind of like a an, a shot put in a sense. And I, I overheard some scouts just kind of talking about, um, you know, just the, the low release and if he would be able to get it off with NBA length, especially on, like, kickouts and driving kicks. But he showed some athleticism. I mean, he's just a strong, powerful athlete. And then I had a chance to interview him briefly. I mean, he's a bright kid. I mean, I left very, very impressed with his interview. All right, before I get on to the next round of guys that I saw in the pro day and my big board, I want to talk to you about Sakara. All right, feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle while truly enjoying it with delicious plant-rich transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living your best body. And now is the time to seek wellness, joy, and abundance in all areas of your life, starting with what you eat. With Sakara, you get nutrient-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body without ever sacrificing the taste or the quality. And True Radiance starts on your plate. It's made with high-quality organic ingredients, Sakara's plant-rich transformational nutrition programs are expertly designed to deliver real results from reduced bloat and ease digestion to clear skin and boosted energy and moods. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. 
Sakara gives you the tools needed to transform your life with their organic ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20. Enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Once again, sakara.com slash locked on 20. All right, the last couple of players I want to talk about at the pro day. I talked about Shaden Sharp, and I was at his pro day, which was on Monday, and I had a chance to talk to a few scouts about it. Some were impressed with the size and the athleticism. Then there were some that felt like it was low energy, while other scouts felt like the quote-unquote low energy was just the pace that he plays at. So he kind of had a – it was a mixed reaction overall to his pro day. But there was no denying the impressive frame, the size, the athleticism, and the and the shooting stroke. Nikola Jovic, who is someone that can be right outside the lottery range, somewhere in the mid-first round, he shot the ball well. I know there was at one point where he made 13 out of 15 threes in the corner. When I say he shot the ball well, I think on one hand he addressed some of the concerns about his shooting, but he's still a little streaky. The shot was a little flat, but he is a legitimate 6'10". He's not one of these uh, guys that actually shrunk when you when you did the measurements, which um, was the case for, for some players. Um, I think, um, you know, one guy was listed at 6'6", measured at 6'3". There was a couple guys listed at 6'7", that measured at 6'5". So there were some guys that um, basically their schools were lying. Their schools were lying about their height. All right, now as far as guys that I think really moved up in the combine was Mark Williams. Mark Williams tested with a ridiculous 9-9 standing reach, had a chance to watch his pro day, and again, he is a big dude, strong frame. I had him slotted like going like 13th to Charlotte. I think there's a chance that he could move up even higher. He can crack the top 10. Um, Christian Coloco is someone else. I talked about it on a, a previous podcast, shot 16 out of 25, I believe, on the star drill. And I think if he can develop into a stretch big that also can be a rim runner, a shot blocker, I think he provides real value. I had a chance to interview him, and he had mentioned that he's paying attention to the playoffs. And his goal is to be one of the centers that can actually stay on the floor and not get ran off the court. So I thought that was interesting. And he mentioned that he knows that if he provides the outside shooting, then he can stay on the floor during the playoffs. So I was I was impressed with his overall awareness and and um, you know, just kinda how he sees himself how he sees himself fitting into uh in, into like today's playoffs because I think you know, now when I'm watching players at the combine, and a lot of it has to do with just where we're at as far as the date, but I'm watching them through the lens of how would this guy perform in the playoffs? Can he help a playoff team? And I think with Mark Williams, I had someone mention that they believe that he will be great at helping a team get to the playoffs. But the question is, can you play him in the playoffs. All right, uh, Jalen uh, Williams, again, I talked about how I thought he really improved his draft stock. Darion Sebron, 
And Sebron taught me a, a lesson. I was high on Sebron earlier in the year. And, I mean, it was after, like, the 39.18 rebound performance against Nebraska. And uh, he was someone that I really, really liked. I think he's one of the first video breakdowns I did at the beginning of the season. And then as the season went on, I kind of started dropping him down out of the first round, out of the second round. And now I, I think that the way he played at the combine put himself up into maybe even going late first round, best best case scenario. I mean, his game is still really unique. He is like a point guard slash, I, I don't need, he's like a point guard slash, I mean, I, I just, he's just a ball player. That's just the best way to put it. He is a ball player. And I had the chance to speak with him and I was asking him, what position does he play? And he said that, you know, there were some publications that listed him as a four and, um, you know, some some teams kind of saw him as as a four and his agent had to put him in different workouts with um you know match him up in workouts with different wings and so the biggest concern for him is a shooting but he had a he had a a moment on Wednesday where he made 15 out of 25 threes from the star drill and the shot isn't broken the form isn't broken he's just such a reluctant shooter and one of my favorite questions to ask certain players is, like, when you were coming up in, in your development, were you working with a trainer or were you just playing pickup without structure? And so he had mentioned to me that he just was at the rec, hooping, playing ball. And that's how he developed the game that he has because his game is so unique, I don't think you can develop what he has in skill training because, again, he's 6'5". He weighed in at 182. He rebounds like a forward. I mean, he he actually goes after rebounds, rebounds out of his area, rebounds in traffic, and he loves to turn rebounds into personal fast breaks. And that's what he did here here at the combine. And I mean, it's it's been discussed before in previous podcasts like the way he assaults the rim, the way he just likes to, I even I shouldn't even say likes. The way he loves to attack the paint and finish it, it kind of leaves you scratching your head how this guy is, is only like a buck 82, is finishing at a high rate, and he just has this competitiveness that I like. And then on um, Saturday, Friday, I'm sorry, Friday, he had the opportunity to play point guard because John Montero got poked in the eye in Friday's game or Thursday's game, and he didn't play the next day. So C. Brown was playing the point, and he showed that he is a a, a capable point guard. And He's really dangerous, especially in like dribble handoff situations where he can get downhill. And I just thought he really, really made a name for himself. Um, on Friday, he finished with 15 points, five rebounds, four assists on six of 10 shooting. And the cool thing about the combine that I like is that there's no fans there. And it's not like commercialized like like uh, the summer league is. I used to go to summer league when it was empty, and now it's turned into the spectacle where tickets are like $40 a game and there's fans there so with this with the combine you can hear almost every word in the gym and so there was one moment that I thought was pretty funny where Sebron just went to the rim for probably like the 20th time and, and just made a play and the opposing coach was like stay in front of him stay in front of him and a couple of scouts looked at each other and said you can't you cannot stay in front of him he is he is that fast all right, when I return, okay, I'll give you more guys that I felt like really helped himself. And we'll be moving up my big board. Stay tuned.
Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, once again, this is Rafael Barlow, NBA Big Board Podcast. All right, let me just go ahead and get into my my a preview of my mock lottery. I don't want to go all the way through it because um, I have some of it on NBABigBoard.com, and I definitely would like for you to, to subscribe and get more intel that, that I received from NBA teams. I think Orlando Magic should take Paolo Bancaro. I think Bancaro should be the number one pick. So my big board is a little bit different than most. Uh, number two, I have Jabari Smith on um, on my big board. So if he's number two, basically the way the draft is set up, he would end up going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I have Chet Holmgren going down to number three. And I know this is probably going to shock a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have Chet number one. I am going to go with... Bancaro and Smith over Holmgren because, um, and and I shared similar thoughts with a with a scout, and one of the things that he mentioned was he felt like Chet's best attribute is his defense, and because he has length and size, uh, I mean not necessarily strength, but with his length and his footwork and agility, he can defend in space and he can be a pick-and-roll defender. But the question was, if he's best used as a pick-and-roll defender, then you have to play him at the five. But can he play the five? He's going to get buried against even guys like Rudy Gobert or, you know, like uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Or, I mean, let's not even talk about Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid or guys like that. So the, the question that we both had was, how do you build around Chet, even on the defensive end? You know, a lot of times you talk about building around guys on offense, but how do you build around him on the defensive end? So I agree with that sentiment. So I have Chet at number three, which I think he's going to end up going number one. That's just my opinion. Number four, I have Shaden Sharp. And this is still... Um, I mean, it's just purely based off upside. And, of course, everything is based off upside, even the guys that are that are in college. But we just don't know what, what the Sharper is going to do. But I end up talking to some some scouts about Shaden Sharp. And there were some that, that really believed that he could end up being the fourth pick, maybe even squeeze into the top three. But then there were some that were just not um, just not very high on, not, not necessarily him, but one scout in particular felt like, he and who's ever advising him is really playing a game of cat and mouse. Say so he didn't play college basketball, just basically shut it down after a strong EYBL to protect his draft stock. And the scout was not at all happy with the fact that Sharp didn't play at Kentucky. He even mentioned that Sharp did not practice a lot at Kentucky. So this guy was not very high on the situation surrounding Sharp at all. He just felt like who's ever doing his process is just protecting his draft stock, which on, on one hand, on, on from their perspective, it is smart. Because if you look at a few of the guys that were 
highly touted in at the, at this time last year, um, you know, are fighting to be drafted in the first round still. So that was a very interesting conversation I had there. And then at number five, I have uh, Jaden Ivey. And I think Ivy, unfortunately, it, it just shows the, um, the craziness behind this draft process that Jaden Ivey comes back to school, has a phenomenal year, and there's a chance that Shaden Sharp passes him in, in the draft despite not, not playing a single minute. Um, so that is like my, my top five for now, but I will finish out my first round mock. Matter of fact, it is Monday. I'm going to make a guarantee that my full first round mock will be available on nbabigboard.com on Tuesday. Just trying to make a, a few tweaks and still trying to gather some intel. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening to the NBA Big Board Podcast. I really appreciate it. I am still in Chicago, and now it is time for me to go home. I've been here over a week now, but, I mean, it was just a an amazing experience. I met some amazing people. The cool thing is... Um, um, I don't want to get too much into it, but the cool thing is, you know, walking down the hallway and I see a guy that I was a big fan of as a kid. Like I wore his shoes, wore his jersey and he speaks to me and he knows who I am and he's paid attention to the podcast or different general managers or high level executives have come up to me and, and, and told me that, um, you know, basically they, they laughed at a comment I made during the podcast and told me to keep going and keep doing what I'm doing. So that, that means a whole lot to me because, again, there is still a part of me, even though I'm 42 years old, there's still a part of me that feels like a kid in the candy store. So I'm always like extra, extra, extra grateful and thankful for, um, you know, just for this position and for this platform. And I mean, I, I've been told like, hey, you got to stop being modest, just you belong. You you put in the work, but it's, it's, it's it just doesn't come as natural to me as as I would like because again I'm just still over grateful. So thank you so much. Again, thank you for making the NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day, your first listen every day. Now make your second listen the Locked On NBA Podcast from the first jump ball of the playing tournament to the last possession of the finals. The Locked On experts will take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. I'm Rafael Barlow, and I. M out.